Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And we're back with another episode of On the Record with Tiffany. And today I have one of my favorite guests, a new guest, but one of my favorite people, Ms. Laura Thompson, the CEO and president of TAN TV. She's the fierce, feisty, fun Laura. (laughs) So Laura, tell us a, a little bit about yourself. We're so happy to have you here today. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, as Tiffany said, my name is Laura Thompson. I am the CEO and creator of TAN TV, uh, the African American Network, where we have a local feel with a global reach. Um, and um, I, it's difficult to tell people about myself um, without knowing specifically what you want to know, because it's it's, there's a lot of different layers. But in terms of, of um, TAN TV and what I do with TAN TV, uh, we're a digital television network. Uh, we broadcast live uh, and video on demand on seven different platforms simultaneously. Uh, we wow. provide content for um, uh, African-Americans and give, to give African-Americans a voice, uh, an authentic voice uh, coming directly from the mouths of, of uh, African-American people. So uh, I'm excited. So, to what be here. made you decide that that you would be the voice of authenticity? Like, what when what was it about what you heard out there? What what made you think, hey, I've got a I've got a place. There's a place for me and for for what I'm creating. Uh, I don't know. I, I started working with the internet in in 1995 when it first uh, came out, and uh, I got invited to come over and look at how the internet worked. And so when I saw it, I said, we could probably do something with television on that, with that, with the internet. I didn't know what at the time, Mm -hmm. but even before that, um, I went to a summer camp um, at Trinity University and uh, I I took um, radio and television where they kind of took us on a tour of what broadcasting was all about, how they broadcast on television and radio and all that. And I was intrigued by um, the television part of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I got a chance to be in the control room and and actually on the floor to kind of ride around on the cameras with the cameraman and and, wow. and kind of get that experience. And from that day on, really, I was probably maybe in the third or fourth grade, mm-hmm. and I always wanted to do something with television. But I didn't know what. After I graduated from high school, I wanted to be uh, an anchor woman because mm-hmm. I didn't see any African-American anchor women on television uh, until I moved to Houston. And then I saw uh, um, an African-American anchor woman. So I wanted to I always wanted to do something um, in television. And so mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, prior to that, I've I dedicated you know, most of my adult life to uh, highlighting the achievements of African-Americans and you know, working with inner city kids um, uh, to, you know, give them exposure to things that other kids were exposed to. Um, and so I just wanted to, to tell a more positive story. I didn't see a lot of positive stories on in mainstream media uh, about African-Americans. And so I'm, I've just been pro-African-American since I was a kid. I didn't like history uh, because I didn't see a lot of success stories about African-Americans. So I said, I'm going to write some success stories. So I've got a, a newspaper. Uh, I told my dad early on I was going to have a newspaper to give away free uh, <laughs> so that uh, we could tell stories about the people in our community. Uh, and he asked me, how are you going to make money? I said, I don't know. I haven't figured that part out yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I just want to do it. So I, I did that. So I've always worked in media and in a capacity to uh, share information uh, that is positive. Uh, and uplifting for the African-American community and, and also to educate general market on, you know, that there's more than one side to or perspective um, for uh, for them to look at when they look at African-Americans. I, I love that you you always present multiple pers- perspectives, like anybody who hasn't uh, looked at TAN TV. Um, 
that's what you get. There are lots of different nuances within uh, the Black community and outside of the Black community. And you managed to uh, pull it all in and give us a glimpse of, of uh, everything. Right. And I, I mean, then I, I worked in advertising too and radio. And so it was, um, and, you know, television and the internet as well. And it's always been, you know, for a small business, it's been cost prohibitive for uh, small businesses, African-Americans included, uh, to be able to, you know, spend enough money uh, in mainstream media uh, or to afford it in order to, you know, get the benefits of, you know, uh, making their businesses prosper. And so, um, you know, that was another thing that was a uh, um, uh, kind of a, a reason why I wanted to do something. Uh, and I'm glad that it's we're streaming now because it, it makes it really affordable for uh, small business owners to to get uh, to to invest advertising dollars. Uh, but I also like to give them an opportunity to come on and talk about their businesses. So it's it's just uh, um, it, it is television, you know, just like any other television network. It just happens to focus on the African American market, and it just happens to be digital. But it's it's still television. What has the pandemic done to uh, to those advertising avenues? Has that uh, increased your business? Well, it's increased our business. It's increased our reach. Uh, we're able to reach people globally. We've, we've interviewed and spoken with people uh, as far as India and Canada and uh, all across the nation um, as a result of the pandemic. And and thanks to Zoom, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> and these you know the, these platforms that allow you to uh, broadcast out. Uh, to other platforms, um, you know, we've we've been able to uh, build a a a more uh, robust network where uh, more people are able to watch, uh, and and we don't really have to um, spend a whole bunch of marketing dollars, uh, although it takes marketing dollars as well. But but just the fact that you know we're able to. Uh, really have that local feel with the global reach. Uh, the pandemic has allowed us to do that. And before we were having to do a lot of production on on location, or we would have to travel to do a production. Then we would have to have it edited and have all the post production work done, and then air it and, and hope you know people would see it. But the the, the pandemic is really kind of been a game changer for us. Uh, you know what? That that's an interesting thing that you're saying there because a lot of people are are finding that their businesses are increasing because of of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, because they, uh, I I talked to a pastor recently and he said that uh, business had increased uh, by three or four times for. Uh, many of his churches, not all of them, but many of them. It was a, a, a pastor who's over multiple churches. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I wonder if some businesses did see an increase, but other businesses uh, ended up uh, shuttered venues, like the yeah. in-person places. Yeah, I think the, the brick and mortar businesses did, you know, suffer and, you know, um, they had to suffer, well, they didn't have to suffer. I guess you could think of a different way to do business. And some people did, they got creative, but the brick and mortar businesses, you know, uh, if you're not there, you don't have foot traffic. Uh, you still have a lot of expenses, but you don't have, you know, that's the overhead. Income. Yeah. That, you have the overhead, but you don't have the in income. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what, that's what we found as well with being based on an, on uh in-person visits and events when your revenue is generated from events mm -hmm. and the events just disappear <laughs> mm -hmm. because people cannot gather uh that that is uh that requires you to come up with something else yeah but it, it, people got really creative though especially mm -hmm. the, the entertainment industry uh 
it was a game changer for the entertainment industry. They kind of got, I got, I think everybody kind of got thrown for a loop at first, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, we're, you know, resilient people and we figure it out. Right. <laughs> we figure it out. And so um, I'm just, I'm super excited and, and I want to thank you for, you know, inviting me to come on and, and talk a little bit to this native San Antonian. I always enjoy uh, visiting with, with you, Laura. I learn a lot about people and uh, about our community every time. So, um, so this is my first time having you on my show, but I've been on your show. I've been yeah. on Coffee Break. I've been on Vance's show. Hey, Vance. <laughs> How you doing? In the room. Oh, that's right. Uh, in the room. Now, now in the room is is a more is is the panel kind of cutting edge discussion about all kinds of topics. Whatever is the latest topic. I think our, our uh, the last one was uh, Bill Cosby and what was uh, and Bill Cosby's. Uh, uh, situation, which was very interesting. If you mm-hmm. haven't watched uh, In the Room and the uh, Cosby discussion, then you should go to Tan TV and look, take a look at it. <laughs> TanTV.com. Right. Right. Tan TV. Tan TV. Sorry, yes. Tan TV, <laughs> and go check it out. Yeah, um, it was an but today, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just said it was an interesting conversation, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Everybody had their own perspective. And I just loved that. I love that. It was it, it really ran the gamut of of uh, of thought on what's happening with the world and specifically with with uh, Bill Cosby. So uh, that was interesting. Um, but we are here. To. uh to take a take a little listen to what you have to say about work is the new hustle. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation, and I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit or We can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. Now, I just want to remind my listeners that we are listening to On the Record with Tiffany and my special guest, the CEO and president of TAN TV. And you can find TAN TV at TAN, T-A-A-N dot TV. And you can... Listen to them anywhere that you download podcast. Podcast Tan TV has anything you want and everything you need. It's they have a what a local feel but a global reach. Yes. <laughs> yes and this is Miss Laura <clears throat> Thompson, the president and CEO of Tan TV. All right, Laura, you got to tell us about work is the new hustle. You know, How'd you come is, up with the name? Work, work is, is a new hustle. hustle. Well, it's great. I walk every morning. At least I, I, I plan to walk every morning, but most mornings I walk about five miles. And so I was walking and I saw a little boy struggling with a trash receptacle. And so then he dropped some trash and he was picking it up. Uh, and so 
uh, I was asking him if he needed some help. And he said, no, no, I got it, I got it. And so he had to be seven or eight years old, maybe younger, I don't know. But he struggled and he, he, he put the trash receptacle out. And so, uh, you know, then in some parts of the area where I was walking, there was trash on the ground. And so I was saying, you know, um, you know, he's a, he's a good worker. And I told him, I said, you're a really good worker. You did a good job. Uh, you know, congratulations. And so he said, yeah, some parts of what I like and some I don't like. And so, um, you know, I was just thinking that there needs to be some kind of uh, way that we could teach our kids to keep the communities clean. And like you passed by, some some grass is cut, some is not cut, some is well manicured, some not. And so I said we could come up with we could come up with a, some kind of program where the kids can work in the community. Um, and then I thought thought about the word hustle and the the how sometimes when we think about hustle or when kids think about hustle, they they don't really think about the most positive thing about hustle. They might think that. You know, it's a drug dealer or something that's that's that you might not want them to think about. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm saying because I saw him hustling to get that trash out, and mm-hmm. he was working to do that. So I was thinking, and every time you're I taking up, that definition back to what what it was when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And oh. so, uh, so. I came up with the name work is a new hustle. Um, and so I was just walking and I was trying to, I'm, I always think of ideas when I walk, but I was, I kept thinking and repeating it to myself so I wouldn't forget it. And I, cause I knew I had five miles to walk. So, <laughs> so then I thought about H-E-B and I said, well, you know, hustlers have to eat. So you work and you hustle on your job so you can get a paycheck. And part of that money goes to food. So I, I reached out to HEB to see if they could support it, and they did. Uh, then I saw a VIA bus, and I was like, you know, VIA, you know, takes workers to work. Uh, so I was just thinking of all these different ideas, um, and I thought about the, the the proposition B, where the vote was split 50-50, mm-hmm. and with the police officers, and I said they need to, uh, we need to start uh, getting kids um, familiar with policemen and help them to build a relationship with police officers. So it's a, it's, a, it's a, like I have a lot of different perspectives about most things that this program has a lot of different perspectives. And so, you know, I said, okay, um, I have to get a big player in, in order to attract other people. And so I reached out to HEB, they were on board right away. Um, and so then I approached, uh, Alonzo Hart, and he's the president of the San Antonio Black Police Officers Coalition, and met with him, he and uh, the vice president of their um, organization. And so they were all in. So then I had a friend with Comerica Bank that I worked with. She moved up to a national position, but she referred us to their, their state uh, representative that, that handled uh, different markets. And so we got them on board. So then we got 100 black men and SACAM. So we got all of these 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 major players in um, probably within a week and a half to two weeks. And so um, that's basically how it started. It started with an idea. And so every time I go and speak before people or kids, I always say everything starts with a dream. You know, it starts with an idea. And then I talk about the place that we're in. You know, this place started with an idea. Uh, it wasn't, it just, just didn't pop up. And so, you know, I like to, to, to get kids to get um, exposure to a lot of different things so they can make a, a, a good decision about, you know, what they like and what they want to be when they grow up. So the, the components of the program, um, and I don't know if I'm talking too much, but the no. The components of the program is a financial literacy part of it where they learn financial literacy. Uh, the other part is the work part of it where they um, they learn how to clean up their, keep their communities clean. Um, and so they get rewarded. Uh, HEB has donated $50 gift cards for each kid that completes the program. They get a gift card and then we take them shopping. 
so that once they learn how to manage money and budget money, they can also buy groceries because when you work, you got to budget money for food. And so that's right. So, it, you know, you won't be able to eat. It, it won't be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the main things you work for. So you can be have the ability to eat and feed your family. And so um, and then the the Comerica Bank is going to provide the, the financial literacy part of it. Um, 100 Black Men is going to provide support for the financial literacy part of it because they also, you know, teach kids uh, financial literacy and money management. Uh, we've already gone on one boat ride with Say Camp, so we're taking the, the kids on boat rides with the police officers so that they can build a relationship there. Uh, we just had a, a, a pep rally to kick off the program and signed up some kids to participate in the program from there. So it's a it's a multifaceted uh, program, but but that's how life is. You know, you work. Right. You know, some you have to work hard. You know, and you know you you earn money so that you can eat. You learn how to manage your money and budget it so that you can budget for fun too. So they have fun. Uh, Commissioner Calvert is going to take them on a tour uh, next month. Uh, to all of the county facilities so they can learn about how the county works. Uh, San Antonio police officers are going to take them uh, on a tour to the police academy so they can learn, you know, all of the things that you have to do and the hard work that you have to endure and put in in order to become a police officer. So, um, I, you know, I'm super excited about it um, because, you know, the kids are excited about it, the parents uh, are very excited about it. Uh, it is a progressive program. Uh, we've got, it's a pilot program right now. We're running it from from this summer through the end of the year. So we'll have many other types of activities to build on the program, so that um, adults can also get involved in it and uh, you know start those conversations uh, with police officers about. Uh, you know, how to continue to build those relationships and to uh, keep our community safe on, on both sides. It's, it's the role that that us as citizens uh, and people in the community have to do and the police officers. And police officers are part of our community as well. So we have to understand that. I love I love your your vision. You need to to uh, change your thing from from your opener from uh, fierce and feisty to uh, visionary, fierce and feisty visionary, (laughs) (laughs) because that's a lot of things that you're drawing together, but they all work. It all works to, to kind of move people down the field in in the conversation for, uh, because we keep having the same conversation about, about, uh, the police and 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 how they're interacting with with our youth and the best way to have anybody interact is when they can see a person for what they are when they when you see a child and you're working with the child then you you uh, your heart can't help but be filled and it changes how you interact and they um, like we were on the boat ride and so um, the former uh, public, uh, no, what is he, public information officer got up and spoke. Um, and then he, he asked him, like, how many people do you think are on the police force? And one little kid said five. <laughs> <laughs> and one said 200, uh, but it's actually 2,000 actual police officers. And then there's another thousand that you know, work in different capacities, like undercover, DEA, SWAT. So there's a lot of, I mean, even uh, adults don't know a lot of that information about police officers. And then they, he said, how many police officers do you think are on this boat? Because they weren't, he was the only one that was dressed in, a, in a, his uniform. And when they stood up, they were like, wow. I didn't know you were a police officer, you know, because they were just talking to him and having a, you know, conversation with him. So, um, you know, they they get to find out that police officers are people too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he said, we go home, we have families, we eat, you know, we do everything y'all do. And some of those police officers look just like us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you're facilitating a completely different 
type of conversation, uh, which is uh, what we love here at On the Record with Tiffany. We love to bring people on that, that are thinking outside of the box and who are making a difference for our community, who are actually, uh, you know, are not just hometown heroes, but uh, sheroes in, in general who are out there uh, trying to pioneer a different tomorrow. Yeah. So I, I'm thankful to you for that, Laura, that you're, you're thinking about our kids and thinking about our community and what it's gonna look like in the next, for the next generation instead of, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that you don't just have a conversation about what you're unhappy about, but you always look to try and solve a problem. Let's think of a way to solve the problem instead of uh, complain about the problem. We are listening to On the Record with Tiffany and my special guest, the CEO and president of TAN TV. So the, the vote was 50-50 with the Proposition B. So, you know, you got a group of people over here that, that, that feel they won and a group of people that felt they lost. So you're still in the same position uh, mm -hmm. as you were. You spent a lot of money campaigning. Uh, as, a mil as a matter of fact, a million dollars, it was six, 600,000 on uh, one entity and 400,000 on the other. So they spent a million dollars uh, and still were in the same place. And so you got to do something different. So I'm guessing you didn't spend a million dollars to take the kids on a boat ride and do all of those things, <laughs> right? No, no, no. <laughs> Cost a whole lot less and yeah. you got a whole lot further. <laughs> right, and, you know, everybody had fun. You know, one person was talking about, you know, the mental health part of it and they need to be uh, evaluated. And I said, yeah, that's true. They may need to be evaluated, but they might not have, uh, you know, something that some type of mental illness or problem when they first come in. But by nature of the job, they could see something and just snap. Um, this is in so reference on. to the police officers. Correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I said, it's, it's, I think it's better therapy to you actually work and build relationships with people opposed to sitting on the couch for 30 minutes and, and uh, just kind of talking about it. And you're still not really proactively doing a lot about it. So, Right. Because, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I like about work is the new hustle is uh, I just think it's, it's totally innovative when uh, you look at the level of division that's there <laughs> right now, <laughs> like across the country, across across this city, you know, and every time the subject of uh, of police and minorities comes up, uh, you know, you every, you can see everybody uh, posting up their guard. But when mm -hmm. something like work is the new hustle, that causes people to let the guard down. Mm -hmm. and want to uh, want to engage with it and want to engage with the kids. And it, it's ongoing. It's not um, just, uh, you know, we do this and that's it. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's an ongoing process. It's not a one and done. <laughs> right. That's what, that's what Alonzo always says. It's not a one and done. And so, um, you know, even with the, the, the chief of police, you know, we met with him and he, he was like, he said, wow, we came over this and we like this. Um, so, you know, at some point, you know, we might go take it, expand it uh, across the city. Right now we're focusing on District 2 um, the, because that's where some of the, the Black police officers work. Mm -hmm. But we drew, we had a press conference and, and uh, some of the older uh, retired police officers came out. Uh, and one of them, because um, I've been doing these programs since the 90s. And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the guys that used to have security, be on security when we had different events, he was there. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, it's Steve Christian. I remember he used to come out uh, and support all of our youth events uh, back in the day. So um, it was kind of like a deja vu type thing. 
to, to see, wow. you know, that people have, they, they still have an interest in the community um, as police officers. They still, but, and then they have a job also. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a catch 22, you know, cause they, they, they were hired to protect and serve. Um, uh, and, you know, they've been shown in a, a, a negative sense, you know, by a few police officers, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of good men and women out there that are out there to, to, to do their job. But they also, you'll be amazed at the, the, the number of hours they spend doing community service. I was asking Alonzo, when do you when do you work? And he, but he's a safe officer, so that's part of his job is to to make sure that uh, police officers stay engaged in the community. And I love that. I love that you're you're highlighting that fact because there are so many uh, good police officers out there that are doing what they should be doing. Uh, I'm 100% for us getting rid of the ones who aren't doing their job because they shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we have to uplift and uphold the ones who are doing, doing a good job and who are, are volunteering and trying to uh, make our community better, not just uh, policing the community, but, but make the community better by giving their time and their energy to, mm-hmm. to the youth. And, I, and in a I productive way. Yeah. I commend them because they have a hard job. They yeah. It, you know, it's a hard job. It's a scary job. Mm-hmm. They never know what they're going to walk into. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I'm thankful to them for the work that they do for us uh, as as human beings and, and uh, as citizens. And I love that you've combined the two best things about uh, our community uh, together, the kids and uh, the people who are our public servants, who are who have pledged their lives and their time to serve the serve the public, you know, mm-hmm. there we need to to facilitate better relationships between the two of them, and you are doing exactly that. So instead of just being out there talking trash, you're out there mm-hmm. making life for people and well, making a new life. It's just like any relationship, you know. You can you can sit down and these and uh, hash out the, the issues or you can blame each other and point the finger every day. Some people argue every day about the same thing uh, <laughs> and nothing is resolved. Right. Um, you know, when they harm each other with their words or with their actions and nothing is ever resolved. It's just like, you know, you did something bad once <laughs> and you were a bad person forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, you know, not that you know what some of the police officers are doing with the with the the extra violent behavior. Uh, you know, I don't condone that, and, and I don't agree with it. But mm-hmm. it still won't stop until we stop and take a different approach. And so that's what work is an impossible uh, means to me, and that's what it's that's what it's about. Uh, but I've always been that kind of middle person, like okay. Yeah. How can we this. fix this? Yeah, 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 they did that. But you know, let's let's see how we can work it out and meet people where they are. Until you can't people can't grow uh, or grow with you until you meet them where they are. Exactly. And so, and I we believe that here at On the Record with Tiffany. That's that's the reason why uh that's the reason why I founded the show is is really to facilitate dialogue and to have uh, people think about um, the actions that we're taking. I wanted to do a couple of things, facilitate dialogue and also um, disseminate positive, accurate information mm-hmm. so that uh, our public and our listeners would have the right information about what's going on in their community and wouldn't have a biased or slanted view of everything. You know, because you can get that from either side. You can get a, a biased view of of the the police or a biased view of of black youth from whoever you're you're talking to, depending on what side you're talking to. When in reality, you've got greatness in both of these populations, and they should be working together, not against each other. And we found just like you know, there's a different there's a a. a perception that we have to work on as far as 
even though the police officer working with the youth, they still see him as as uh, some of them have seen him see him as troubled youth or inner city youth have a uh, um, a, a bad name, you know, mm-hmm. troubled kids or if you're African American kids, you're troubled, um, and so that's not necessarily the case. No, um, it's not. And the, a program like yours helps helps uh, the police officers to see officers to see exactly that that that's not necessarily the case. That mm-hmm. that these children are the same as the children any place else. Mm-hmm. They just happen to live in an urban environment. Mm-hmm. And they're very smart. Because I, I, I've worked with them. I had a reading program called Read and Lead. And I was just counting the years. It was like since 2003. And we... Wow. Or 2000... Well, starts the reading program. Then we started going out, taking the kids out in 2005. But a lot of people had these uh, preconceived notions that the kids didn't have the ability to read. Some of the best readers... Um, I took them to a, a library event with a, a literary group uh, that was comprised of, you know, mostly uh, uh, Anglo women that didn't work. They, they didn't have to work. They, mm-hmm. they came from upper uh, income families and, and wealthy families. And so they didn't have to work. And so they kind of viewed the kids as, you know, these inner city kids until they heard them read. And then you could hear the whole audience crying. You could hear sniff, sniffling and seeing tears rolling down their eyes. And I said, we should be ashamed of ourselves. We should cry because there's no, there's no reason why, you know, kids can't learn to read. We learn to read, mm-hmm. you know, and the adults supported us when we were coming up and made sure we, we knew how to read. We're not making sure that these kids learn how to read. And so I said, I get so tired of, of you know, people that have influence get on a platform and say, if kids don't learn how to read by the time they're in the third grade, they're going to prison. There's some adults, you know, that we met along the way when, you know, kids read to them. And and one man was in his seventies, couldn't read, owned a a very prosperous uh, auto mechanic shop. And his kids took care, he took care of the money part because he understood the money part of it, but he couldn't read. So his kids handled that part of it for him. He said he wished that there was a program like that when he was coming up so that he would be he would be able to read, but he never learned how to read. And so I said, it doesn't mean that kids, if they don't learn how to read by third grade, that they're going to prison. So y'all need to stop saying that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I, became, <laughs> I became really good friends with the executive director for that, that organization because when we first came in to, to join the literary uh, organization, she rushed up to me and she said, this is, this is a group that you know, we collaborate and work together to help people and help uh, literacy. And I said, well, we're good. That's why I'm here. So thank you. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation. And I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit, or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. are listening to On the Record with Tiffany and my special guest, the CEO and president of TAN TV. And so after I got up and spoke, she was my biggest advocate uh, because she believed in the same thing. So and and it's the I same love work as in New Russell. It's just, um, it's a different approach uh, to solving the problem instead of talking about the problem. Mm-hmm. Instead of just talking about the problem. 
and getting getting everybody heated. It's a it's a uh, a disarming uh, way to approach it, mm-hmm. and it's one that builds uh, trust and builds uh, some longevity in terms of and can build longevity longevity in terms of relationships. Yeah. It's just like with the the literacy program tomorrow uh, after they learn their uh, the literacy part of it then we're going to allow them to create their own rules. We're going to tell them, you know, what what the program is all about and, you know, talk about some different scenarios like, you know, talking when people, being quiet when others are talking or presenting and, you know, what kind of rules can we put in place? So they'll be able to create their own rules and learn how to govern themselves and hold each other accountable. Opposed to the adult keep telling them to, you know, sit down and be quiet and don't do this. Uh, they'll they'll learn how to govern themselves. Like whenever I'm speaking to them, I say, when, when someone gets up to speak, uh, what do you do? And they said, be quiet. I said, okay. I said, I knew you, I knew it. Or then I tell them when you, you know, when someone gets up after they finish speaking and they did a good job, what do you do? And they said, we clap. Okay. I knew you, I knew it. And so they just allowing them to make decisions about their behavior because they know what's what's right and what's wrong. And they know what, you know, um, but they also know when people care about them and when they're looking after their best interests as well. And so sometimes as adults, um, you know, we we think that we have to yell and scream at them or maybe even call them names or, you know, do things to them to make them perform. And all you have to do is talk to them and explain to them what you want and they'll do it because they want to they participate. I find people want to participate. They want to be involved. And so, but it's, it's just the way you, it's our behavior that causes people to, to uh, act a certain way. Then their behavior, you have to bring that to their attention. We got to communicate with each other on a level that, that each one of us can understand. So, so what is, have you found that's been your best uh, asset in coming up with these these innovative programs that you that um you just the the like with the with the reading lead program like we haven't had to work as a new hustle long enough but the parents are real excited you know every parent that came to the pep rally signed up their kids um uh, you know they thought it was good it was fun uh innovative some people just came because they heard the name work as a new hustle they didn't really know what it was about so but they 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 came and they want their kids to be involved in something positive and something different from just the classroom uh, and give their kids, you know, a, a, a great experience and exposure to new things. So, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's one thing. Um, with, with Read and Lead, I could be in the grocery store and kids would say, Mom, that's the lady with Read and Lead. And they would say, she would say, boy, leave that lady alone. <laughs> And he was just kind of get eye tackle. He wanted me to intervene. And so he was just looking at me. Uh-huh, she is. Right, miss. And I said, yes. Yes. He said, <laughs> you know, and they they loved reading. They wanted, they looked forward to to going. They would go on Saturday mornings and they loved it. And the, then the parents would would support it. They would be there to support them to bring them and drop them off when we took them on field trips. The parents would say that. They stay up late at night and they get up real early in the morning to practice and they wake up their, their parents at six in the morning and they, they're supposed to be there at nine. And so Wow, but they're excited. They're ready to go. They you know, they don't really have the concept of time, you know, like <laughs> like we do. You know, we say well, we got about two, we could we could sleep about ten more minutes. But but it, they were so excited about it. When and kids the, are excited, they they are ready. They're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that we started them off with pre-K three, and they went all the way up to fifth grade through the program. It was some of, some of the same kids, and we would get new kids, um, and we took you know as many as one hundred and thirteen kids on one field trip at one time. So um, those those are the indicators that it's working because people continue to participate. If it's not working, people drop off. And they don't want to be a part of it. But the but the the parents would come, the parents volunteered, the teachers volunteered, you know, our group volunteered, um, and the kids 
at, you know, they knew when it was time for them to go, they would keep asking the teacher, when we going, when is our next reading leave? And so, you know, they were motivated and they studied their reading and their 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 scores increased on the star test according to the principal. So, you know, it really, it really, really worked. And I always talk to them about their conduct and how important, you know, your conduct is. I say, you don't act the same way everywhere. You know, or I tell them, uh, it, just break it down to them as far as reading, you 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 read so you can know if the store is closed or if you got to stop at a stop sign or just, you know, if you, you know, you want to count your money, you got to know math. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are things that they can relate to. You know, if you uh, if you can't read and you go to a stop sign, you know, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to pass, you're not going to be able to drive because you're not going to be able to pass the driver's test. It's just so many things that you need to know how to read for. Not mm-hmm. just for math and science and all of that. You need to know that too, but just for everyday life, you need to know how to read. And so it's a basic fundamental that you have to have. Mm-hmm. So, and then you got to work in order to, this is the, another basic, you got to work in order to make money, in order to eat, in order to have fun, you know, in order to, you know, pay your, your light bill, in order to have lights, you have to, you know, have water, you got to do all of those things and money helps you to do that but you got to work and you're absolutely right it's uh reading math financial literacy those things are essential to just living a regular life mm-hmm. so they're all gonna that's those those three things they will need for the rest of their lives and the, the one little girl said well, just can i just get a card yeah you can you do the work you can get one you don't you don't get paid until you work so you can, mm-hmm. you can, you can get it. And you, you can, you can do a whole lot of work and not get paid. There's a lot of things mm-hmm. nuances to work that, you know, so you have to figure out, a, you know, there's a lot that goes on with work and literacy. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> they, they might want to, you know, this is the first step in them learning some, some uh, valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you get your, you get your, your car and you can go shop. Cause they think fifty dollars. Fifty dollars is a lot to them. They think that wow, fifty dollars to spend. Yeah, but you got to learn how to manage it. You got to put a budget together. When you get to the store, you might find out that you don't have enough, or you might find out that you did really well and you can save some of it and go back again next time. So you just gotta, you just gotta work it out. But I've done, you know, summer camps where, where one was called Camp Startup. That wasn't mine, but. I license it, um, and then I had one called Camp Logo that I would do simultaneously with with, with Camp Startup, um, and the kids would have to they want they pick a job that they wanted and how much money they want to make, and then they look and find out that their job doesn't really pay <laughs> as much. <laughs> so they talk, they said they what kind of house they want and all of that stuff first, and then they find out that the job don't pay near enough to for them to get. To support that particular lifestyle that they have decided they want. Yeah, so it's uh, um, I just love it. I just, I just, um, um, you know, even with the workforce, you know, when I was in the workforce, I I couldn't work for people long <laughs> mm-hmm. because I had to work my own hours, um, and I like to get stuff done, and they they were going too slow for me, so I always ended up doing something on my own because I didn't want to. Uh, and I and I didn't like to be up real early in the mornings to come to work and then start. I mean, then everybody would just be sitting around drinking coffee and not doing any work. So I would always come to work late, but I'd get in trouble. So I said, I'm going to do something on my own. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all glad that you did something on your own because uh, if it weren't uh, for TAN TV and for your hustle, we wouldn't have work is the new hustle. Uh, that that word, see, when I hear the word hustle, I remember hustle from as as a little kid. And hustle meant that you were working your hiney off and putting a lot of effort into doing whatever it is that you're doing. So if you were mm-hmm. hustling, you were making it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it had no kind of, it, it was not, the connotation was not connected to to drugs or to anything like mm-hmm. that, it was a, it was it was work ethic. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And it, but if you look in the dictionary, what you just said, the work ethic part is 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 a secondary de- definition. 
So the definition in the dictionary is not necessarily the most positive because I, I looked it up and I said, wow, this is not, we want to redefine us. <laughs> we want to go back to the secondary definition, right, right. which used to be the primary definition. Mm-hmm. It used to be the mm-hmm. primary definition, but as we know, uh, some other things came into play. Well, and dictionaries evolve, like the, mm-hmm. the meaning of words, meanings, the meanings of words evolve over time. And so they'll change them as, as uh, you know, slang takes over or new, new things take over, like crazy things end up in the dictionary now that you're like, I didn't even know this was, <laughs> this was a word and right. not a word, you know, but, um, but yeah. I like the idea of taking it back to that, making that secondary definition of the primary one. Mm-hmm. And you have been listening to another episode of On the Record with Tiffany with uh, the fierce and fearless visionary, Laura Thompson. Uh, and if you did not get to hear the entire episode, you can go listen to us or check out uh, Tan TV. T-A-A-N dot TV. Check it out and listen to some of uh, Laura's programming or go and check out Work is the New Hustle. So you too can join in with the latest movement to unify and connect our community. And again, you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany, where we bring on different types of people from all walks of life so we can hear what they're doing. We love Shiro's and thank you. One of my favorite Shiro's, Laura Thompson. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930am The Answer.